0: Well, welcome to Off the Pulpit, our fourth episode. I'm Eugene. I'm Jason. I'm Tom. Uh, we're three pastors and three friends, just conversing on life, church, and culture, off the pulpit. Um, just letting you guys know, we actually have a lot of special episodes kind of coming up. Um, we have a host, a guest host, by the name of Dr. Jonathan Lehman, um, who's covering politics. So we're going to talk about politics again. Um, but more of an interview of someone that's much more knowledgeable about this topic. We're hoping to drop that either a little before or after the election. So just something to look forward to. But today, well, before we get into it, quick shout out as a Warriors fan. Congrats to only the true loyal Laker fans. Um, I'm happy for you, happy for Kobe. Um, But with that, uh, yo, today we wanted to talk about missions and the Asian American church. It's a little bit nuanced. Um, It probably is a more specific demographic, but I I do think everyone listening, if you've been part of the Asian American church, missions has kind of been a big part of your life. And, you know, what we want to do is, and and I want to caveat this too, that we want to just take a nuanced view of it. I think a lot of us live in that culture for a long time and kind of just take it for granted, oh, this is what it should be, this is how it should be. Um, But just taking a larger step back, I think at least, you know, we'll get into it, but Tom and I have an extensive kind of history in that culture too, and I think Jason probably we will see. Um, But yeah, I I think before anything, I guess guess for our listeners to intro, um, what has your own experience been, um, just with church and overseas missions in general? Have you gone? Has it been a big part of your life? Has it not been a big part of your life?
1: Yeah, I could start. I mean, I think most Asian Americans and probably you guys, we I went to my first mission trip in high school, but it was like that Native American reservation type of mission trip. So, you know, it was like in Kansas or something like that. But they branded like a mission trip and so that was in high school and I didn't I don't remember too much about that. But I remember in college, that's when I went to India, uh, and it was a short term summer mission team and that was kinda of like your classical four week overseas mission trip sharing, evangelizing uh, overseas and then I remember actually I came back from India having a heart for China and wanted to be a missionary there so that's actually the reason I went to seminary I'm not sure if you knew that Jason oh. but yeah. I went to seminary because I wanted to be a missionary in China and that's how I met my wife where she wanted to also be a missionary in China so that was our common link um, but so that was kind of uh, my short history of missions overseas and mm. but haven't been since haven't been
2: since Yeah, I just wanna say this conversation would have gone so differently if the Lakers lost tonight, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm so happy. Um, Yeah, uh, same with me. I grew up um, going to a lot of kind of mini short-term mission trips to like Mexico and things like that. Um, And then in college uh, went to my kind of first a little bit more um, extensive, I guess, short-term missions trip. I think it was about four weeks as well. I uh, went to Russia, and so uh, that was a great experience for me, actually. It it also altered the trajectory of my life, in a sense, because um, people who know me know that uh, my goal in college was was to actually become an anchorman after. <laughs> That's what a I want to do with anchorman? my life. Yeah, news anchorman. We'll yeah, and so that summer, I was actually doing uh, an internship at ABC News. You know, I was super motivated, um, that's what I thought I was gonna do for the rest of my life. And then during that same summer was when I when I went on that mission trip. And then to kind of juxtapose those two experiences together, um, that was a huge kind of moment that propelled me um, to go get my master's in education and, and kind of, yeah, shifted um, my priorities and what I wanted from my life and things like that. So that was very important for me. And then post-college, um for i think like five or six years straight um i went to a trip in costa rica every summer and it was kind of uh like a hybrid between a leadership conference and a mission trip so you know it was kind of a a conference where i was serving as a volunteer leader um but they would host like youth students, uh, from all around the U S to come down and it would be like a week of training and kind of more like a retreat. Uh, and then another week of, you know, serving in Costa Rica. And so it was kind of a mixture of two. And so, um, that was really formative for me too. um, both really great experiences overall. How many years mm-hmm. did you go to Costa Rica? I want to say like five years. Oh, wow. S- yeah. Five years straight. Yeah. Okay. And that was your local church? No, that it was actually, um, I was introduced uh, to the conference through a good friend of mine who's from Costa Rica, um, who's really good family friends with a missionary out there who's now a great, great friend of mine as well. Um, and yeah, he connected me because they were looking for a worship leader for that first conference. And so, yeah, I went to pretty much to lead worship and to serve as a, mm. as a leader there, so.
1: You probably, you're probably the most experienced, Eugene, overseas.
2: Yeah, I probably even before
0: um, SoCal. Uh, I, so I grew up in a Korean Baptist church, and I think uh, my church, especially growing up, was really heavy on missions. Um, I, I, I think since sixth grade, I went somewhere every summer. Um, Mexico, um, we did quote-unquote missions in the East Coast, which was really confusing to me which we'll get into I went to Korea here and there and then it got more intense in college Um, I went to India on a (laughs) short-term mission trip man that was it was an amazing experience that was also some of the wildest times I've had which which we'll share in a bit too and then after that um, I led a short-term summer mission trip I think for I think for three years straight sorry four years straight Um, I went to Nicaragua and then Japan for three years after that too um, so I, I, I kind of just lived and breathed. it. And to add even a little more caveat, I almost went to Iraq for a year. Um, this was when I was part of this very hyper charismatic uh, missions, non-church movement that was really big on the 1040 window. Um, mm-hmm. The un- We'll get into this too in a little bit, but the Unreached People group. And it was just, if you're not going to that window as a Christian, you're wasting your life. So that was really their big push. So right before college, I had this guilt of like, man, if I don't, go to an unreached people group and, you know, kind of sacrifice my life. I'm not being a faithful Christian. Um, so I've, I've kind of had a wide gamut uh, of the missions experience. But so, I, I mean, it sounds like we, you know, I, I've had some crazy experiences and, and we've all been to a variety of places internationally. So before we get into kind of the more nuanced, heavy stuff, I guess just to kind of break the ice, what's what's your wildest mission story, either that you maybe you heard of um, or, or you experienced uh,
2: yourself? You know, it's crazy because when you're on missions things that seem so crazy here really don't seem that crazy there and I don't Mm. know if it's you go in expecting I, I don't know if it's the training that preps you for that or you know you just assume that you know you're in a different environment but yeah like you know when I was in Russia you know we were at a beach you know watching people get baptized in the water and then out of nowhere, like we see one of the guys who's about to get baptized, he just starts like wailing on the pastor, like, li- <laughs> like literally socking him in the face. And then out of nowhere, we hear someone saying, "Like, start praying, everyone. He, he's demon possessed. Like, like the demon doesn't want him to get baptized." And we, you Ooh. know, we were, we were just like, "Oh my goodness! Like, this is crazy!" <laughs> like, um, you know, we all got on our knees, started praying. Um, he's like, we're like, can someone help the pastor out there? Cause this guy's, this guy's like beating him pretty hard. And, um, you know, and then, it, you know, and then somehow like someone comes out and says like, Oh, the demon's gone. And then he gets baptized and we're cheering. And it's like, That's we just move from one thing to the next. And it was like totally normal for us. And so. You know when i think about that i i realize man like if that if i had seen that here that would have been i would have been traumatized but i couldn't even it was hard for me to even remember that experience because it felt like so normal in the kind of in the rhythm of missions you know uh in the rhythm of that trip so
0: so he he was he was baptized and everything was chill after
2: yeah, everything was chill after. And now, he's a bro- now he's a brother in Christ. <laughs> yeah, of the maybe, maybe
0: maybe he's a pastor. That's wow. That's crazy. That's wild. <laughs> probably have <laughs> you probably have a that's lot you of you, g- guys, g- you guys seem unscathed <laughs> and unscarred. <laughs> yeah, I think I think because I kind of like what Jason said. I so I think a part of it is when you're on the mission field, and I, I you know I we have an episode coming up on charismatic and all that stuff. I really even as someone that isn't as charismatic as other people. I really think when you're in the somewhere that's like there are no Christians or no churches, I think crazy things happen just because of that demonic activity. I would even say, but I have some like crazy food stories on Jason. I remember I was in India and like a a family prepared like a meal, but they cooked like a lot, and then our mission leader said, "You better not stop eating," right? (laughs) But they wouldn't stop giving it to it, and what we found out is because we kept eating, they thought, "Oh, they love it," so we got to keep making the food. So I was like, people were literally about to throw up and uh, our mission leader went outside and I went outside and he was throwing up the food to get ready to eat more. And he's like, you didn't see anything. I, I think I asked that because I think missions is so ingrained um, into the Asian American church psyche and culture. I remember my mom told uh, my wife this past weekend, I wasn't there, but she said, how's your church's missions program at True North, which the church I'm pastoring? She said, oh, we're, we're young, so we're getting that started. And I remember she said to my wife, like, oh, if you don't have a good missions program, like, you're not a good church. You're not being a good Christian. And I think that kind of, in both good and bad, encapsulates kind of the idea of overseas missions in our culture. But I've observed that high level of passion kind of behind the Great Commission in our churches and culture. And for you guys, like, why do you think that passion is there, especially in first and second generation Korean or maybe Asian churches in America?
1: I mean, to give the benefit of the doubt, there is probably biblical convictions there, like Matthew 28, the go to the ends of the earth is emphasized, and yeah. and also Matthew 24 verse 14, how the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world, and then the end will come. So you're kind of finishing something, and so I think, so I do think there is some theological background that's driving that passion. So there is a benefit of the doubt there. Um, but I also think there's something very spiritual about going overseas that people view it as. Um, mm. There was a book, actually, it's by Bruce Shelley. It's, it's about Christian history. It's called um, uh, History in Plain Language. And I didn't know, but he was saying that back in the early church days, people would purposely get martyred, even if they didn't have to get martyred, because martyrdom was like a spiritual status that you gain. And you're oh. kind of seeing, like, you gain respect. From yeah. your death. And so everyone got martyred would they had to tell them, like, stop getting martyred because you're actually hurting the church and so forth. Yeah. Uh, but it's almost like this status that you gain. And I think when you go overseas, there's a status that happens as well. And the further you are and the more exotic the country is, the cooler and more spiritual it seems. That's why no one no one brags about going to missions in Mexico. Like Mexico is right there. It's so like training. If you go, yeah, but you go to Uganda. Or you go to Africa or somewhere like that, like that's that's seen as like whoa, like you're really you're really down with God, you're really into the kingdom. And to be honest, I actually think another reason is, uh, man, people just like traveling, like they like going. And uh, where else can you travel to a foreign country as a young person and everything gets funded for you, like every your whole trip is funded by people and that's where you're looking for that classic profile picture on your social status where you're hugging Ethiopians and you have a picture showing yes. you with natives and i feel like there's just something about that that seems appealing especially when you see other people doing it so so in one sense you know benefit of doubt there's probably is a lot of good desires but in another sense too there's all these other factors that are probably there as well like is it is it
0: I, I, and i guess side question too is it prevalent in in white churches too that you guys see cuz I, I feel like it's different, if, if that makes sense. But I could be wrong, too,
1: because I, I just don't know that the, the other culture that well. It seems, it seems like there's more balance in non-Asian churches, maybe. Okay. Like, in Asian churches, there's, like, nothing going on, and then overseas missions, you know? There's not, yeah. like, evangelism going on and mercy yeah. going on. It's, like, there's church, and then you go to the end of the earth. But gotcha. then I feel like in other churches, maybe there's a little bit more than that. That's yeah, what yeah, yeah. it
2: appears like. Yeah. I mean, I also think, I mean, by the way, I think everyone who's writing a support letter this, this year is like pissed at Tom right now. Um, <laughs> amen. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Um, definitely agree with a lot of what Tom said. I also think like, you know, definitely in first generation immigrant churches, uh, a lot of the churches we grew up in, just everything felt like there was a beat your body mentality you know, mm. it, it definitely was more spiritual to, to feel like you were sacrificing yourself physically, emotionally, you know, like, it, like with morning prayer, you know, sometimes, I mean, I I think that's one of the things that I, I admire and actually respect a lot about our parents' generation, just that devotion and that, um, yeah, that commitment to prayer. But sometimes I also think like, Man, like, does it have to be that early? You know, like, I mean, it, 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 you know, there, I think there's just a connection with something being really hard and really difficult and challenging, and it, and it also correlating with being more spiritual. And so I think that there is, um, you're getting a little bit of that mindset in terms of going overseas because there just feels like it's, you're sacrificing more to go somewhere further. Um, you know, I think the the image that we have in mind, you know, our people, um, in like a super third world village with, with no running water. And there's something about that that just feels a little bit more kind of like you're like the special ops of Christians, you know, yeah. um, who go out there. The so. Navy,
0: like sign up for the Navy SEALs of Christianity. Yeah, exactly. Going That's
2: why when people come back, it's all about the crazy stories, right? the crazier the story the more holy the trip is yeah and and that's also why i think you know um teams that come back they actually have a tough time communicating with and almost like even when they're only gone for like a month they have to go through some kind of like reintegration process um yeah. into into yeah. their church communities because they feel like they just did something so beyond what everyone yeah. else is doing you know they
0: literally went to war and have to like yeah. come back to the East commoners the yeah exactly yeah, yeah, to, yeah, the yeah.
2: <laughs> to the common folk yeah. like us yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. historically too, to the balance it's about I think everything Tom and Jason says is spot on which we'll get into really detail and nuance soon but I also think historically I think you know I think the most missionary scent is I think Korea is like number two and maybe number one on the mm-hmm. list um the you know homeland Korea i know china probably the numbers are skewed too because we don't know but their house church is growing and they send a lot i mean they're sending missionaries to america from right here and I, i i do also realize that my i remember uh my korean pastor growing up told me the koreans are passionate because the gospel was brought to them and they almost have this inherent guilt of because it was given to us, and you know, there's like the story. I know it's if you do more research, it's disputed. But the the story of a missionary coming on board and trying to share the gospel in Korea, and then he gets killed sharing it. Um, they have this guilt of man, if it was given to us this way, then how can we not spread it? Which I think is is good. It's biblical and noble in in a sense too. Quick caveat theological question that I want to ask too is I know. If you're listening to this, your idea of overseas missions is probably unreached people groups. It's And if you don't know that term, it's missions is should be geared towards cultures and specifically ethnic groups of people that don't have, I think, over 2% that are Christian because they're unreached. And with that, if they're just left alone, the gospel will never spread. Now, there's a lot of backing from John Piper and other big pastors at the Great Commission is about unreached people groups specifically. But... To give balance, I guess, what are your thoughts on that theologically? Do you think that's a correct understanding of the Great Commission, or that could be a little bit skewed?
1: If you're basing it off Matthew 28 and you're basing it off Matthew 24, then yes, I would say that is missions in its most clear definition, where you're Mm. reaching people where there is no indigenous church that's there. Mm -hmm. and there's no way for the gospel to be reached for multiple generations, then yes. Um, Now, where it gets tricky is, from what I know, if you think that's missions, and therefore what missions is, is you engaging unreached people yourself, then most likely most local churches will not be doing missions because Mm -hmm. those people are hard to reach. That's like that famous David Platt sermon, right? Like all the easy ones are gone. (laughs) like They already been reached. And so when I talk to different overseas missionaries, what they'll say is, hey, the idea that you're going to reach unreached people through your short-term trip, that's not really what happens. You're Mm -hmm. actually, you know, it takes more than that. It takes like building bridges and you're working with the mission partners who are working with mission people who are going to reach the people who reach the unreached people. So is that not considered overseas missions? I don't know, you know, it depends. Like I could, I could understand the nuance and I can understand why people would have different definitions of that. But in its purest sense, is it un- reaching unreached? From my understanding, yes. If you're bis- if you're Matthew 28 and Matthew 24 are like the working definitions for yeah. what overseas missions is.
2: Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that. Um, I do think where it does get really tricky, you know, I, I mean, I think about uh, someone like Leslie Newbigin even, um, you know, his story is that he's a missionary from Great Britain, spends, I think, like 40 years. Um, you know, he, he's sent to India, you know, to, to minister and, and reach unreached people groups. He comes back uh, to his own country and he actually comes back and is, is in greater shock um, than, than he was with anything he saw in India. And it was, yeah. he realized that the churches that had sent him to the mission field in the first place, you know, like, they'd actually succumbed to, like, a completely false story about the world and and no one was noticing. And so, like, Newbegin, with the eyes of the outsider, he saw that the church in his home country had actually been more co-opted by the story of its culture than even the, the church, uh, than even the country he was sent to. You know, I guess it that becomes tricky when you, like, Realize the fact that we're living in a post-Christian context, especially here in America Where, you know, theoretically you could make the argument that There are just as many people being mobilized to be sent to America uh, As they are being mobilized from here to be sent out there And so, I don't know, I mean, I guess, you know, that's where it's, it's tough for me Like who is unreached, who is, you know, really blind to the gospel right now you know yeah
0: uh, going off jason's point i do think that the premise of why i asked that question is i think when people say unreached people groups it's a very american centric view of the world that yep. oh yeah they're unreached and why is it well because they're different they're uncivilized maybe in their mind etc cetera, etc cetera, et cetera. and i do think when we keep pressing in america we need to reach the unreached it gives this hierarchy sense of we have we've been reached as america but mm-hmm. 2020 is probably a good reminder that we're not Given all that, what are some positives and some blessings that you guys see of our current state and culture of missions in our churches, in our church culture, in our networks that we're kind of all part of? Um, What are some some positives that you guys see in your own
1: eyes? I mean, people care, especially it seems like young people care, Mm. regardless of you know whatever motives might be there. Like people are doing it and they're supportive of it. I mean, they're still conferences about overseas missions like was that is urbana urbana was one of those yeah, conferences. yeah urbana. urbana and CrossCon. yeah and so um that's really cool and i think we could all say that when we went overseas like it gave us a passion that was very unique and powerful i mean it changed the trajectory of jason's life apparently it changed the trajectory of my life and i don't know what exactly what happened for you eugene but like it shifted things i think for a lot of people and so yeah. you do see overseas missions People caring about it, people wanting to go. I think right now is actually the most overseas mission short-term trips ever in the history of the United States. Like right now, they send over a million people go overseas. Yeah, and so the fact that you see people caring and you see people changing through it, like it's a benefit. It's cool. It's encouraging. It
0: brought up a good point in my mind too. That I think you know, going off of what I said about being unreached. Oftentimes, when I went as a kid and as a student, I really thought I'm going to help. And I'm going to be a blessing, and I'm going to change the world, etc. But I remember going actually humbled me to how man God isn't just in America, and that like truly like being in worship services in different countries is one of the most blessing, fulfilling things I've ever been a part of. Because you don't know what's going on, you don't, you know, oftentimes you don't understand. But just being there and understanding God is so much bigger than you and your little bubble. um, I think that's huge, and I think that's a huge blessing. And I, I do think you know. A lot of students that come back i mean yeah there's a lot of things that come back with it but usually they have an expanded view of god yep. is you know in the theological term which i think is a huge blessing
2: too yep absolutely i mean i think i want to say this because just in case you know because i know everything i'm going to probably say uh throughout this episode but short-term missions was such a formative um, part of my growth as a christian you know in just in there you know i mean obviously there are negatives but there are a lot of positives that just come with being taken out of your context you know everything you're used to being with like a group of people um praying together you know interceding for others together you know evangelizing i i you know the in some ways you know there it's like um yeah it's like a retreat on steroids a little bit you know it's like where boot,
1: it's like a boot camp spiritual boot camp
2: yeah you know and i think like it offered me opportunities even for solitude for me to kind of like it's got, you know i'm reminded of like something i read about jrr Tol- tolkien who who said like you know when he so much of what he wrote and um you know that seem like so fantasy and seem so out there. His big thing was like, look, if you want to get people to think outside of their bubble and think outside of their specific context, you can't actually write something that places them right in their context again. You almost have to like rip them out of that and take them yeah. somewhere else. And I think, you know, that's what missions was, at least for me, you know, just to be in a different country with different, uh, like different kinds of churches, different kinds of believers, um, you just you learn so much about yourself. it exposes you know a lot of things that are going on in your own heart. So yeah, in many ways, um, they were very, very important experiences for me, and I think for a lot of believers.
0: Yeah. and you know you're also reaching people that should be reached for the gospel. I mean it's it's a given. Um, but I,
1: I, I think but just, there's, a reason, there's a reason why we're not talking about that. <laughs> there, there's a reason why we're talking about ourselves. Yeah, we'll get into
0: that. <laughs> we'll get into the, the the nuance of that. But I do think the overall vision and, and goal that, that I think, you know, at one point people have broken motivations, which we will get into really deeply soon. But the goal of reaching people with the gospel that, you know, w- if you go on missions, what you're saying is the only thing that will save you is nope. – the gospel, which I think is needed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, mm-hmm. given that, and I, you know, this might be the longer portion, and, and we're saying this to add nuance, not to just add uh, noise and criticism, but we've been embedded in this culture for a while, and we know all the pauses are there, but I do think whenever you're living in a culture, and not a lot of listeners are kind of just going probably without even thinking deeply, to kind of add balance. What are some concerns that you guys have with the state and culture of overseas missions in our churches?
1: So a lot of the struggles is it could even so all of us it's I think we're all in agreement overseas missions is important. Local churches should be involved. Uh, Reach and reach matters. Uh, No one's going to deny that. Um, And I think the struggle is that it could be so much better. Than what it is right now, mm-hmm. especially in the context that we're yes. in. Yes. Um, so that's kind of the the struggle. I think a lot of the overseas stuff that churches do, it's very passion-driven, very passion-driven, uh, not as much planning. And so people will just go and like, w- what are you doing? Like, what are you going <laughs> to do there, you know? Uh, yeah. it's, and it, and even like the, the process, it, it's kind of determined more by if you have a desire to go and actually processing, like, should you go? Like, I still remember when people, when back in college, when they wanted to go overseas and they would ask, like, pastors or leaders, the main theme I kept hearing is, if you don't know whether you should go or not, just go. Like, just go. And I'm just like, wait, really? Like, just go? Like, that's, so even, who is this person who's desiring to go? And you don't know how many testimonies I've heard where people, they go overseas and they'll tell me, oh, the reason why I became a Christian was, when I was on missions, I learned the gospel. and That's when I got saved. And I'm like, really? So when you went overseas to share the gospel with somebody, not, they didn't get saved. You got saved, like in that mission trip. Like we're sending non-believers overseas to share the gospel, which is which is fine. It's it's all good. Like I'm thankful that God could use anything to save people. But mm-hmm. you are not really doing missions, then. You're actually. It's something else. It's, a, it's like a, a retreat that you're going to, and people are funding it. And it's just kind of not really true to what it is. And so um, I do think the vetting process of people going, there is something that's missing that's there. But we let everybody go because mission organizations need the money, to be fr- quite frank. And so they kind of have a very loose vetting process that's there. And that yeah. could do a lot of good for people. That could also do a lot of harm. for a lot of people as well. Um, I do think the purpose could tend to be a bit muddy where like what actually happens on the mission trip like do we know what's even going on? Usually when we say we're giving it's we're just giving to missions it's just kind of it's for it's for God's kingdom and we're like okay and we'll write that check but like what's where's the money going what's the details like what are they actually doing and we don't know it's just kind of there just as missions and I don't know. I I feel like that's more details might be needed on like what that is. And I still remember reading somewhere. It was it was Robert Priest. He's a professor at Trinity. And he was saying that uh, this is the first mission movement in the church history that's based largely on the needs of the missionary. Mm. It's not based on the needs of the natives It's based upon the, the people who are going and giving them an experience of overseas missions, which again, that's that's fine. But you're like, what's the purpose then? You're not really doing missions. It's something else. You call it like a learning trip, call it like a cross ministry trip, but to call it missions and you're affecting everything that's happening in the native land and all the mission work like that, you're kind of skewing with what actually is going on. And so those are like kind of a few brief things where I feel like it's very Focused and centered upon experience and the person's benefit, which is why even us as we share about our mission trips It's mainly about how we grew and what we experienced, which is great But it's it's kind of the balance of that is very high on our experience And we don't talk too much about what happened with the gospel spreading forth which that's actually what missions is So those are a few concerns that I have
0: Mm.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. I think I actually don't really have a pro- too much of a problem with what happens on the trips. I think it's, there's very little clarity around what that is. And I think that we're probably labeling it incorrectly. You know, hmm. I, I see them more as kind of like either overseas retreats. Maybe even like a cultural immersion experience yep. for college students, and you, I think you, I would be totally you would be fine okay just that. calling
0: that. And then, oh yeah. oh
1: yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. And I think that would be very beneficial. Still, yep. you know, I think it would be great. Um, but yeah, Ooh. I agree. I think there's there's something um, fundamentally wrong with just the the way we view missions, bec- especially short term missions, because short-term missions in its very nature in its title short-term is Not incarnational in the way that I think Jesus was incarnational like when you think about Jesus ministry his mission was fully incarnational in the sense that he he taught people by coming alongside them by becoming one of them and literally Sharing their environment and their problems for an extended period of time, right? Mm -hmm. um I you know there I when I think about yeah if Jesus is the model for what missions is supposed to look like you know he didn't live a life of detachment you know he lived a life of active intimate involvement right where yeah. you know he could he he lived like when you think about the incarnation right Jesus lived where he could see human sin every day he could hear people cussing and and blaspheming and 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 see diseases on a day and and experience poverty on a daily basis and he he wasn't able to just leave that like he he stayed um and i think there is at least some level of detachment when it comes to short-term missions um that in some way seems to undermine everything that we know about the incarnation which is you know he, yeah, like he, you know he wasn't able to just leave.
0: It wasn't a one day trip. His well, ministry. but but you,
1: but you could argue that because I, mean, I think that's what oftentimes short term missions are defined as: is you go to get a taste of it so that you could inspire people to be future missionaries and go back there. Sure. Like that's kind sure. of one of the reasons I hear why short term missions are there. The question is like, is it working? Like, how, many, how much money has been poured for? Because I hear this often, too. Like, it's better to send a person to go overseas than to send money overseas to a missionary. Right, right. Um, now, tr- maybe that's true, but there is a lot of money going into it. Now, how many of people that we send with our money to go overseas, how many of them are actually going back? Like, how effective is short-term missions for that type of incarnational ministry that you're talking about? And that's mm-hmm. where I go back to, like, the purpose. Like, it's, a big, it's sometimes muddy to me where— I wonder if people view it that way or is it more, again, of this experience? It's an experience, it's a time I went in my summer after college that was great because I did cross-cultural ministry and now I'm back working as an accountant. But it's just this one summer life. That's cool, but I just don't know if you should call that summer, you should call it missions then. Right it's, right, it's It's cross-cultural ministry or whatever. Yeah. yeah, so
0: it sounds like it's all, the the, the problem is labeling like there's no real issue with what's going on i think we would agree because all three of us have maybe even been pushed into ministry because of part of those experiences mm-hmm. but to call it missions in your guys's mind is misleading at best and foundationally wrong at worst
1: i mean it, i don't think every short-term mission trip is like you know oh, it's wrong like i don't i wouldn't say that but um a lot of them i guess are <laughs> like a lot of them are maybe you're wrong yeah. Um, and I think, and I understand, like if you said, Hey, I'm going a cross cultural mission, tri- ministry trip, would you get as many funders? Would you get mm-hmm. as many supporters? Like missions, that's kind of like this like phrase that just gets people, Oh, it's for the mission. And so you're going to give. And so I understand, but it's just, you know, is that what's really happening?
0: So maybe even more specific and uh, to clear up for our listeners, it sounds like we're mainly critiquing the short term mission culture in our churches or on campus ministries, et cetera. What are your specific thoughts on that sub-branch specifically of, of short-term missions? Like, what, what do you see in that complex, in that, that program or that culture? And, and what, what concerns you, especially with the younger folk that are joining that kind of
1: culture? It, it kind of, again, it, it feels like this like, like spiritual experience you level up in your Christian walk. Like, oh, mm. I've been on missions before. Yeah, uh, It's kind of become like a status symbol, I feel for a lot of folks, and I think that's disconcerting. And I feel like, you know, I don't know what's going on in people's hearts, but it feels that way because I feel like that's how people treat it. Like they talk about, again, like it's what they experienced there, how amazing it was for them, what they learned, Uh, they kind of, you know, you come back, you can't, and I've done this too, like you come back, you can't help but judge everybody for thinking like you don't know what suffering is, and you kind of need to like decompress and not be so judgmental because it's very much about my experience and yeah, again, I don't want to discount, like, of course, your experience is going to be shaped by the trip that you go on. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I don't I don't really see, I, I think, again, right now, you have the most short-term summer mission trips ever being taken in the history of America. You have a million people. Before, it was like, what, 400,000, like, in the, in the 90s or something like that. Mm-hmm. Is there a spiritual revival for overseas missions happening right now? Like, I don't know, you know? I don't know if it's really doing this long-term spiritual revival that maybe short-term's uh, ought to be doing and so yeah. that's where i question like well what's what's going on sometimes yeah i love missions though don't get me wrong i love overseas missions i'm just asking yeah. the question.
2: definitely and you know i i would def i would be lying if i didn't say at least when i was going to though you know i i would like to think um my desire was to go and preach the gospel and you know i you know i it was not like i was this hyper aware person of what was happening you know i really love jesus felt like that's what I, I i should do um as a follower of jesus that that was something that i wanted to do and i desired to do and so um i, I yeah i mean i can't disclaimer that enough um i definitely but you'd am be not also like, wanted that that profile picture right social media yeah. that, that t- hey, t- hey, t- when we I were going on his missions right social media wasn't even a thing so. oh that's true guess, hey, yeah. so a little more pure a little that means yeah, yeah, Jason went a because of holy reason. hey <laughs>
0: man hey that's true that's <laughs> true Jason I gotta look at your profile history just to make sense <laughs> just to make sure
2: but yeah I do think you know I think Tom mentioned this before when you think about the resources yeah the resources uh, human resources, financial resources that are put behind short-term missions. I think, yeah, it, it's worth asking the question if whether or not um, it's accomplishing what we want it to accomplish. And I think everything in the church should be, at some sen- in some sense, assessed in that way, um, in terms of you know if it's doing the thing we want it to do. Um, I would also say that, like you know, I think one danger that short-term missions also does kind of create at at that young of an age, especially like when we're talking about college students going on short-term missions, is it really creates at an early age kind of this distinction between like, there's this small class of people who have a radical sense of call and they go out and do something radical in the world. Like, you know, I think it starts to create these distinctions Um, between people who go on missions and then the regular christians yeah that i I think ends up being very dangerous um especially when you become adults you know
0: yeah you know no in hindsight so speaking in hindsight with that like one of my best friends is like or yeah still is like a very big overseas missions guy and in hindsight i realized like oh i went my junior year in college (laughs) on missions because i wanted to prove to him that I'm holy too, because he was always adamant that like, oh, you're not holy enough as a joke. But it got to me, right? Um, I, you know, one thing I wish people would do as to, stu- you know, I especially college students. Um, if if I don't know if we have even that audience, as, as someone that's led a couple teams, I, I, I don't think it's bad, but I, I wish. Look, study abroad is almost the same thing you're looking for, and and again, it's it's a secular thing, right? It's it's a, it's not Jesus-y, so it's like we, it's you don't want to do that, but. I really think one it's you're not asking for money from people it's something that you have to raise yourself which kind of changes the whole experience when you go if that makes sense mm-hmm. the responsibility the looseness of what you're doing but two like I, I think if you st- look if you want to picture with some kids or like some nice background just study abroad and you can get that without like you know making it Christian and it, that's not bad I I don't think so cuz I remember in college it's like oh don't go and study abroad you have to go on short-term mission, mission trips this summer, and I part of it I understand, but I also think like, look, if you're just looking for a cross-cultural experience, you can still be a Christian in that setting and be a light um, to whatever study abroad location you go to. Too.
2: Absolutely, and I think even the language, right? Like the language we use, um, and I'm probably jacking people writing support letters again, but you know, the, even the language <laughs> we use is is kind of like, you can participate in missions in one of two ways. You can either be like us who are on the field you know in the trenches or you can also just as much participate in God's work by supporting financially and again it's that it's creating that like yeah you know there are some people just built different right built to go out and be the ones in the trenches and I think just you know um, I'm, I'm sure we'll get to this later on but I think that even that mindset is perpetuated in just church as a whole you know when you think about um, a lot of churches have like a missions department you know or a slice of the church that really focuses on missions Mm -hmm. and i think like it just affirming everything we learn in college that missions is just a slice of the church that's reserved for a select few really dedicated people and then everyone else is not really participating in the mission of God. You know, you're either maybe supporting financially or you're just on the outside looking in, you know? Yeah.
1: And I think it was tricky too, to go back to your earlier point, like where it says this creates two type classes of Christians, like those who do the crazy hardcore work and those who are here. I think what's even trickier is if you go overseas as a, at a young age, then you not just see two types of people, but you see two types of work. And so when you're back here, and you're doing like, you're like an accountant, or you're like a school teacher, it feels so more, so less meaningful compared to what you were doing. And so yeah. you could kind of almost see this as like, well, you know, I guess you either have to be super radical going overseas, or you're just nominal. And so like, wait, that's not, or- Christianity is actually very ordinary. It's like kind of life to life, day by day, faithfulness that happens, and some people are especially called to go overseas, some aren't. But I feel like if you go at such a young age, and you see this is like kingdom work, everything seems so bland. In comparison, and that's why I think a lot of people, when they go overseas, they kind of feel like that there's nothing new they could do for the kingdom. Yeah, hmm.
0: if you want to go on overseas missions, read Ordinary by Michael Horton first, because I think that's a good heart check, um, and it's a good book to balance that out. Um, so yeah, given that you know, I think we're talking specifics, but to take a, a quick big step back, um, it's it, another problem that I want to maybe not problem, but observation that I want to address and hear your thoughts too is. The idea that, you know, as Korean Americans, as Asian Americans, a lot of our missional mindset is American when we go overseas. Um, there's a great article right now on the Gospel Coalition. I think it's called The White Savior, Com- uh, the White Savior Problem and Missions. Um, but the whole premise of the article is that it's a crazy story, which I think Tom knows a little bit more detail because he's been listening to the podcast of that.
2: Dude, that podcast but, is crazy. You yeah. To it. Have you heard of
1: Jason? <laughs> no, I haven't. It's called The Missionary. It's good oh man <laughs> give give a hey, these will help give
0: like a quick like one minute um uh summary of what's going on in that podcast
1: pretty much as a girl who goes overseas somewhere in africa because she felt called by god and now she's on like on trial for like murdering a bunch of children by accident. I mean it was malpractice oh my pretty goodness. much and uh the, the main lesson I'm getting is hey man like if you just go by yourself without any vetting it, it could lead to like unnecessary problems hmm. that don't have to happen so it's crazy with the missionary podcast
0: yeah listen to that read the article too and, and given that so the question I want to ask is do you guys feel like one the missions Korean American just the American missions culture that we have has this savior complex which leads to problems like this because it's unchecked it's There's no regulations because it's this, you know, I'm going to say a white savior type of mindset that we as Americans can come and save you because we're civilized, because we have money, because of class. Um, do you think we have that problem? And, and two, what does that look like maybe in the Asian-American context when we go overseas?
1: You guys might have a different perspective. I, I don't see that too often. In my context or the people that I know, I do think most people that I know, they go because they genuinely want to complete the mission uh, because we come from that sure. more reformed circle and so forth. So I don't see it too much, but I think I see it maybe in subtle ways, which is, uh, you know, like the the white savior complex means pretty much. I know I'm, I'm here to do things for you that you can't do for yourself. And I think the way that comes out at times is we feel like we know better than the indigenous folks. And I hear that from like people who are long term workers overseas where that's what disrupts things the most is when people in in the local churches here feel like they know better than what the missionaries know there even that podcast, the big problem was you heard uh from the person who got sent uh everyone in the in the states thought she was doing great work, but every all the natives was like had a different story about the type of work that she was doing mm. and so I feel like when we think we know more than the people who are there that could cause that maybe like why did that come like how does that come out and that's tricky I understand the complexity because if you're a local church you kind of want to control what what's happening because you're supporting it like your it's it represents your local church so if you if you're they're doing things that you may not necessarily agree process wise then of course you're gonna push back but also the missionaries they're the ones who are out there and so they're doing things that you don't know how what you can't even understand what's going on. Yeah. So it feels kind of weird for them, for someone who's in the U.S. to push back. So I understand the complexity that's there. But I feel like when we presume to know better without even having that dialogue, that's where maybe the white Savior complex comes in.
2: Mm. Yeah, for me, I have seen the savior complex, but I wouldn't say that it's limited to overseas missions. Um, I would say it's, it's embedded in everything we do in the church in America. And I would say uh, we, you know, even for our church, that really um, emphasizes local missions, uh, emphasizes ministry in L.A. Um, That's something we're constantly kind of um, talking about as a staff, as a leadership, constantly kind of reminding our people about, because I think even when we're ministering in our local contexts, we see a lot of that come out um mm. you know i think um there is this sense in which we have something of benefit to you um and so we need you to accept it you know um like you know like we're bringing jesus to you and i think that that in itself is um putting us at the center of the narrative which really is the savior complex right um rather than asking what is god already doing here and how can we join uh the work that he's already doing um it's it's just a slight the slightest most subtle shift uh in your paradigm to think jesus was already there long before you got there um and that's what we kind of tell our um, like to tell our church all the time especially our leaders you know it's not like you know when we look at um those we're serving in la Uh, We don't see them as people where we're like, we're going to go there and save them. No, no, no. Jesus is already at work there. And we're just, as a church, constantly asking the question, God, you're already working in our city. How can we join you in that work? And it places us in submission to the mission of God. And so, you know, it's that whole like um, saying the, the church doesn't need a mission. God's mission needs a church, right? We, yeah um is the, god's mission is so much bigger than the church the church is not a means to the end and and so i think we need to shift from a church-centric view of ministry to a more kingdom-centric view of ministry where we're just participating in, in the work god's already doing
0: yeah yeah no i think i agree um on both counts i, I think i asked that and this is more a trap question because i asked it with my own mindset but when i when i was a part of missions Kind of like what Jason was saying, there was this mentality that you, you're you not doing missions unless you're in a crazy suffering place. So to give context, like when I led missions in Japan for three years, like people would joke like, you know, you're what are you doing? You're just, your AC's on. You're just like eating good food, which I was, to be honest. And it was, wasn't was bad. <laughs> hey, but, that's
1: when missions looks awesome.
0: <laughs> and it was. Hey <laughs> yeah, man. I, it's sushi every day. I mean, I, sh- I should stop talking. But like, I... I <laughs> I, I do think the problem that I saw implicitly <laughs> was this idea that when you go to places that are are maybe struggling economically, third world countries, it's really easy to to take a picture, not just of the children, but of a workpiece. Oh, we made a well. Oh we, we handed out food. Oh we um, did a medical clinic. Not that those things are bad. But what you're saying is oh, the way to reach these people with the gospel is to give them financial medical or you know economic aid which I think a part of it is that but I I also think what you're also saying implicitly is oh you're saved by your class and your wealth mm-hmm. and I, I I think that's there's a problem because when you go to Japan or when you go to these countries where like even America you can't do that I mean when you have running water like no one's gonna come to you when you do that and the hard problem is then when how do you do missions well I think that's well how do you do missions here it's like it, that that's the problem that oftentimes when we think missions is just building things that it tends to lower your evangelism side and, of that
1: and who wants to build things the rest of their life like who's going <laughs> to be an overseas missionary their whole life if for four weeks you are building huts and cleaning toilets and like this is what it means to be a missionary so pray about it it's like what like that's you know probably a big reason why a lot of people aren't missionaries and again I don't I'm not saying that suffering shouldn't be there nor is it there, but in yeah. reality that's off that's not the only type of mission work is out there. And if you make it so hardcore and intense, then of course it's gonna be as just like a four week boot camp that people go to. But if you see overseas missions as this is a lifestyle. This is literally you being in a different country, being a witness, sharing yeah. the gospel and day to day life for a place that they don't really have many places like that or people like that. I think that's when you make it a real possibility that, oh, I could actually do this for the rest of my life. But you yeah. make it so crazy and hardcore, like who's going to want to do that the rest yeah. of your life? Like
0: mm-hmm. when you make the Navy SEALs, you can't be a Navy SEAL for your whole life because you'll just, you'll, you'll <laughs> mentally implode, right? Like we, we see that. So how, how can you grow a healthy love for overseas missions? And what would that practically look like in our churches, in our culture and programs?
1: I think growing a healthy love... I think it's similar to what Jason was saying. Like when you learn more about who God is and he is ascending God and you realize that there's more people that there are more areas that need to be sent because they don't know the glory of God in their lives or the goodness of who he is. I feel like there those, and you have those unique experiences of talking to the missionaries and seeing that roadmap of how to get there. I think the passions will be there. And that's where I think even short term mission trips, I'm not sure how you guys feel, but I think they actually do can can do good. And I feel like that can evoke passion and spark. And so I'm by no means saying like short-term missions are no good. To me, I feel like there's a lot of good that could happen. And that's why it could be frustrating because I feel like a lot of the good is not happening because of the way maybe things are set up at times. But I feel like there's so much potential for good because it can spark that desire for overseas work and spreading it. Now, in terms of how can that actually get there, um, I do think it's really important, the idea that local churches send missionaries uh Paul the apostle Paul he did not send himself to do overseas work in acts chapter 13 he got sent by the church of Antioch where they all laid hands on him and Barnabas and that's because you're not the mission of God is not given just to us as individual Christians but it's given to God's church and so i feel like the mentality is not i want to go to Uganda hey, church, send me to Uganda. What? You don't want to send me? Man, this church isn't about missions. Like, that's not how it works. The way it works is that it's the local church that God uses to go and send people to go finish the work of mission, and the local church finds people to commission if they have that same conviction, and then you go and send them through there. And so I do Mm -hmm. think it should be a lot more local church-centric and not so individual that I think a lot of times happens, uh, in the U.S. especially, especially. And so that's kind of what I would recommend is being part of a local church
2: and being sent through them. Mm. I do think we need a reimagining of the church in general. You know, I think when I think about the church in the West, I, you know, I do think so much of the church has been co-opted by power and by even just our American mindset and you know, just the American way of thinking, and um, I think the consumerism that comes out of that. I think all of that plays a part in in what maybe some of my uh, some of my gripes with short term missions comes from, and I think a part of it is really. Taking people out of, uh, t- of the mindset of seeing the church as the center of the universe, the church as the you know end all be all. Um, I think, ev- I almost feel like everything we do as a church has to stop. Be about stop being about getting people into the church and pushing people out of the church. And I think when you create a yeah. culture like that in general, um, with all things, you know, having everything be outward faced, um, you know, having the end goal not to just be people come to your Sunday service, but the end goal to really equip and mobilize and empower people um, to be embodiments of Jesus in the places they, they uh, you know, live, work and play. I think that, I actually think that that will help us develop a healthier mindset towards overseas missions, local missions in general. So I almost feel like um, I see the problem as being much more foundational. And I think we need to start there because I think we're building on something that's already kind of standing on shaky ground.
0: Yeah. If I could add any last thoughts to it would be, I think Tom mentioned this really early on, but I think the mission mindset has to change from the the sender to the actual receiver. Uh, mm-hmm. Meaning that I think the most effective way to, to do missions is not to go and evangelize, but to train pastors of that people, group, culture, and nation. Mm-hmm. And I wish the reverse would happen, where we don't send students off for a couple summers, but we bring in pastors, church members, Christians from other churches overseas to our churches. Not to show them like what we're doing, but to hear their stories. Mm-hmm. and to I think that's how you're mobilized. That your your, your 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 focus isn't on going and, and doing, but it's on receiving and hearing and then pushing and mobilizing. Um, I wish that we could do more of that. I know that's a huge change to happen and it's probably going to hard to do, but that's, that's one thing that's been on my mind, too. So, yeah, thanks for listening. I know it's a little caveated topic. Any last shout outs or concluding thoughts for you guys?
2: We'll still support you if on your overseas mission yes so. Yes. Yeah, no, so please kidding. please send us your support letters <laughs> all just, t- us. Just, just tell us what are you doing <laughs> with our money
1: and I'll determine how much we could, But, but uh, how, how much is going to that country how much is going to the organization and it's all good just let us know <laughs> man we'll still give. indeed shout out to all our overseas missionaries listening we, we love and support you
0: too if you were there and you're on the ground for longer than a couple months that's respect because you put
2: your money where your mouth is and it's a huge blessing so absolutely i i i I, yeah if i could say anything i have so much respect admiration uh for people who've been doing this for their whole lives or for extended period of time um i wish I, i you know i could do what you do and so um yeah some of my closest friends have parents who are full-time missionaries overseas um i also have good friends who are overseas on missions too um that i just yeah i i have so much respect for them so yeah we love missions that's the point of the
0: uh this concluding part (laughs) we we don't hate it we just hope we can help in in the most biblical way um, possible so great thanks for listening and we hope to see you in our next episode